Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. And I'm Dev. Thank you for joining us on our continued journey to become better, braver, and happier painters. That's right. Our good friend Raggedy Pants, I mean Raggy Paints, is back to help walk us through our first genre episode in a long, long time. That's right. You are going to teach me all about urban legends, right? Yeah. Uh... Well, let's make it a collaborative thing. You know, I, it's funny. Urban legends is absolutely one of my favorite topics, but um, I've read so many, they all kind of blur together and you know what they do kind of blur together. And if you, if you read enough of it anyways, but uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, let's do this, you know, <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, before we get into our main topic of the show, you know, it's been a while since we've had you on. So why don't you tell us what you've been up to Deb? Uh, sure. So I have been painting as much as I can. Uh, definitely not as much as I'd like. Um, I'm currently working on the nids from the new Leviathan box set. Uh, kind of got myself into an escalation league there. I should be working on some competition pieces. We've got Gen Con coming up, Nova Open coming up, of course. I'm not. Uh, the one piece that I was like, okay, I've got to get this done for things. I almost rage quit and threw out the window the other day uh it's it's not going the way i want it to so i'm almost certainly not gonna have that done to to enter but um been doing some uh test pieces for the class i'm doing in virginia with you guys uh so painting up some battle text for the first time ever the sculpts have come a long way man really really improved since i remember them back in the early noughties well, yeah, they certainly are. They're, the plastic ones are better than the metal ones, but the man, the mold lines and the plastic ones, holy shite. Huh. I, I actually, for two pieces I've done, I just kind of gave up. If I like, I and it just started painting gloss varnish over the mold lines and seeing if that will cover them because they're just. They're, yeah. they don't make any sense. They don't make any location of them, doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> I, I think they're fine cast, not fine cast, sorry, uh, CO cast. Yeah. So I think the molds themselves are somewhat more pliant rubber. So you don't get those nice, precise mold lines that you would get with, with a, a metal mold. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's part of the problem. I'll, I'll be honest, I kind of, I took off the worst offenders and I just left the rest. You know, I mean, they're, they're gaming pieces. I'm not trying to right. win contests with them, but uh I gotta, I gotta love the resources online for like camo schemes and stuff for BattleTech. I mean, those things are detailed, really, really nice to have. Yeah, Dan call, definitely calls it a rabbit hole. Like, yeah. of, of seeing what's out there as far as yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to. I just wish your flight in Thursday was earlier, so that way I could make you some dinner. <laughs> it's. I think that's the 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 inevitable thing when you're flying from west to east. You always end up getting in super late, no matter what. Yeah, that's all right. We'll grab some breakfast or something before we head down to, to Fredericksburg, you know? Sounds good. Yeah. You know, that'll be a good time. Yeah. You know, I'll have the, you know, you just got to tell me what your favorite beer is. It'll be here ready and cold for you. <laughs> love it. Love it. I'm in. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, before the, the, one of the other things that, that since I have you here too, cause you, you're one of the, the, the pickle jar wash the resin miniatures from print, printing out, right? You weren't like a uh, a wash and cure station guy, right? 
I I have a wash and cure station. Uh, oh, I had. I actually just I just gave away all of my three uh, D printing stuff to a friend. Um, but I literally never used the wash and cure station. The the pickle jar was doing it so much better. I was just like that. It's it's not worth the money. Uh, the curing piece is nice, but I live in California. I can just sit it outside for half an hour and it'll be fine. You see, I I love the wash and cure station. Like I think. My, you know, it was a gift from my in-laws, so I didn't, you know, it wasn't money out of my pocket and it was very super nice of them. Uh, it was a combined 50th birthday Father's Day gift. Um, I love it. I don't know. I like, I don't know how people don't use them because they're like the one, the couple of prints I did before I had the station versus the prints after I had the station. I don't know the qual the cleaning quality is just so much better to me. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't know how to use the pickle jar properly. Maybe I it's mean, like the three seashells and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's a reference. Um, I I find with the pickle jar you can really like uh, punish it and and really work up a foam, and that'll actually lift a lot of the resin off. Uh, mm -hmm. in a way that the washing cure just isn't powerful enough to do that with that kind of little magnetic stir or at least the washing cure i have mm -hmm. uh, had uh, yeah i get they the the 2.0 from any cubic was on sale and so it does get a pretty good i mean i haven't i on any of the prints i've done with it i don't have any of that white you know that white stuff left over you know what i mean the, mm -hmm. yeah uh, and so maybe that's what it is maybe i i wasn't I was putting it in the pickle jar and stirring it and not really like shaking the hell out of it. Um, I don't know. That might be, that, that might be part of, part of what the problem was. Um, but yeah, um, I, I gotta tell you, it's interesting. I thought at first that I was, Oh no, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole with printing. I have in a little bit of the sense of I've been printing the basing materials for my classes and the books for the tiny text class. But otherwise, I've been pretty able to stay on on target. Now, there are a lot of bright, shiny objects out there. You know, <laughs> I did I did go ahead and print the other four. Okay, that's a lie. I printed all five of the Silver Hawks, including Quicksilver. I've already painted, but I have a different idea for putting them all together at some point down the road. But I did print those out. Um, but I've resisted the urge to print out the Ninja Turtles and the Thundercats. So. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting that urge pretty well. <laughs> Hang in there, man. Hang in yeah. there. Because <laughs> I want to. I Believe me, I, I totally want to print those out. They're awesome. How's the painting been going for you at the moment? Um, not. Okay. So it's kind of weird. Um, I got through that massive wave of commissions. Um, I still have probably 24 to 48 somewhere in between there because i don't remember how many robotech miniatures are um that i have to finish up and then i have another commission for the old forge world lion which is about 75 percent done um and so i've been getting stuff like that done but right now um i kind of put everything on hold for this kind of week this week um my wife's going out of town and so I'm going to have some, have evening free time that I've been building. And so I have the, the diorama I want to do, the um, single miniature for, Re the single Reaper miniature I want to do, 
Um, I'm building that right now. And then the um, Vampire Hunter D, I actually have stuff on the printer for his base right now um, that's printing out. But uh, so the painting has been slow, slow. uh, But when I paint, it's been fast. I don't know if that makes sense. I have not been painting as much as I need to be painting. But when I'm painting, I'm actually being very productive. Because um, I knocked out like the lion's base, which has like five night lords on it and all this other crap on on the base. I knocked that out actually in two sittings and actually I'm pretty stoked. It's, it'll probably be the best piece I've painted for this customer. Uh, and I haven't like surprisingly have spent less time, haven't really struggled on any part of it, which is weird for me because that's my MO. I get in my own head and struggle out, but... Otherwise, yeah, or, or, excuse me. Otherwise, yeah, I've been uh, I've been building um, bases right now. And actually, I didn't bring anything to paint with me when I was just in New Orleans. I only brought building stuff with me. And, uh, you know, I can't, I, I just, I how did I totally blank this out of my head? I finished the Red Scribe to enter into that contest. Right. That right. That's done. I spent a lot of time on that with my Bob Ross paints Mordor. Um, but <laughs> I don't know why I just, so I was like, Hmm, let me see how it would look if Bob Ross tried to paint Mordor. And so I kind of did, I, I, that, that's what I kind of did. I don't know how I'm going to do in that contest. You never know with online stuff. Uh, my son actually, uh, I took the pictures and then my son took the backgrounds out Oh, cool! Nice. for me. So, and I was like, wow, that makes a huge difference. Like there's a lot less noise and I, I, I did some weird things too, taking f- photos. Um, I used aluminum foil on the sides of the miniature to eliminate kind of reflective random shadows and stuff like that. And so probably, probably I, I, I need to figure out a setup, but this was literally in a hotel, in the hotel room on the way we did it. Like, cause we stopped, we drove to new Orleans, which was 17 hour drive. And so I did those photos that the night of the first half of our drive when we broke up the drive. <laughs> so I was carrying the red scribe around in like a gift bag, like, you know, like from hotel to hotel, because I didn't have anything that it would fit in. And I didn't, we didn't have room for me to bring my whole carrying case with me. So, uh, yeah, trials and tribulations of being a doofus, right? <laughs> uh, it's always last minute, right? Everything's always last minute. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I, absolutely, last minute. And well, and here's okay. So this is I, my my beef. So July fourteenth is when the contest rules said it was due, right? And I turned it in on like the twelfth. When you're entering the contest, you have to go through all these rules things, and one of them is that it'll be on the deadline. It'd be in the deadline by July fourteenth. No problem. I look up on the screen. For the contest and now they've moved it to august 14th is the deadline <laughs> oh man i'm uh, like yeah i'm like come on you know but yeah. it is what it is it, you know it's i they have 150 entries so that's not bad for an online contest you know i'm hoping you know i'm, I'm hoping top four because the top four get you know, well the top five get a win a printer the top three win the 12K any cubic new not coming out until August. And then fourth place gets an 8K printer, 
and the fifth place gets a fourth a 4k printer I, it would be a second printer which would be interesting i don't know why i would need a second printer um but you know hell when you're gonna <laughs> was it in for a buck in for a dollar a thousand pounds you know a thousand dollars yeah for sure but yeah otherwise painting's been going okay building is going been really well um uh, my I, I, the single piece for Reaper I'm doing is an elf ranger um, in the trees, and um, it kind of I had an idea in my head that I didn't think it would be able to work out, and it kind of the building is like, oh, this is actually working, um, and I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you just cursed yourself, man. This is Urban Legend episode and everything. You should know better than that. I should know better, right? I'm not going to say it three times, though. I'm going to start randomly saying Bloody Mary and Tamara's next. <laughs> all right, man. Enough of that stuff from me blabbing. I could talk hobby with you all night long, man. Um, let's get down to business, right? Let's talk uh, talk some Urban Legends. Do you want to start us out with the first? Oh, you know what? Yeah, why don't you start us out? Tell us what an Urban Legend is. Yeah, absolutely. So the Oxford Languages Dictionary defines an urban legend as a humorous or horrific story or piece of information circulated as though true, especially one purporting to involve someone vaguely related or known to the teller. Was that a, a suitably proper English accent for you? Well, yeah, well, you had one to begin with, and you notice I had to go. I I had to go with the Oxford language, right? <laughs> I was like, "Devil, love this." Um, yeah, you know, and and it, there, the, urban legends is such a large thing, and it's evolved over time. So, you know, we went from a period of time when it was just kind of that hand-me-down uh, stories you told around a campfire to now the internet actually creating modern urban legends. And so it's kind of an interesting world that we, in time we live in. But because of that, we kind of broke it down in a couple of different categories. The first we'll do, we'll call the murderers, uh, which is kind of includes both real people and supernatural beings. Um, not necessarily real people in the sense that they say that they're based on true, uh, on true people, et cetera. But, uh, and then go into uh, kind of crazy supernatural beings. After we've covered those, we'll dive into cryptids, which are the weird animals that exist out there. Are they real? Are they not? Do we know? Uh, either way, I think the minis will be fun to paint. Absolutely. And that's what we're here about, right? We love the stories, but we want to paint some stuff. So just to let everybody know, there's no way to cover all of them in an hour long podcast. Uh, there's an amazing podcast called Astonishing Legends out there that covers a ton of these. I think I've mentioned it before in the past, but uh, it's that is a good starting place for looking into uh, things of like urban legends and kind of crazy shit that's out there in the so do you want us to start want to start us off in the murderer section or do you want me to get us going? Uh I I can I can dive in. So I think the first one we have on the list is the Slender Man. Um I think this one's probably maybe the most well known of internet uh urban legends at this point, given the, the amount of mainstream press it, it got. Um Created uh, in 2009, so super, super recently, uh, on a thread from the Something Awful Internet Forum, uh, as part of a Photoshop contest, literally to create paranormal images. Uh, the black and white images created groups of children to which 
the creator, uh, a Eric Knudsen, added a tall, thin, spectral figure wearing a black suit. Um, it's uh, supplemented with snatches of text, supposedly from witnesses, uh, describing the abductions of the groups of children and, and giving the character the name The Slender Man. Um, I think this is a kind of interesting that there are quite a, there are a few miniatures out there, um, but I feel like because this is such a recent advent and you can identify the single source creation, it really gives a very defined look to all of the models. So mm-hmm. even with the variety that's out there, they all tend to have a pretty similar aesthetic to them. Um, kind of, I feel in in a similar way to to Bigfoot. Uh, you always think of the the one iconic footage of, of Bigfoot kind of walking across diagonally across the camera uh, in yes. that very uh, low ping pose. Right, right. That 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 iconic photo. Yeah, the man in the gorilla suit. <laughs> <laughs> I think was that image the one taken from video? There's there's definitely some video out there of Bigfoot, but we're talking Slender Man. And yes, truth. You you picked out a, a couple of. Uh, particular sculpts here, Printed Obsession mm-hmm. and Miniature Studio. And I was taking a look at these. Um, I I really, really like the Printed Obsession sculpt. Um, yeah. I think it really adds a little dynamism to, to the figure because it is a pretty static figure without something else going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, from, from the original source images, it is, it is a pretty static creature, but... Um, having right. those yeah having the addition of those kind of tentacle things really really helps with the the sculpt yeah i really i i you know when i saw that i thought that was definitely the closest to the images that they had created um which i just saw awesome i mean uh i love the whole uh slender man thing especially because not back when it was really starting out because it was keeping my kids up at night. Um, I don't know if I told this story on the um, digital folklore Patreon episode, but um, my son was absolutely terrified of the Slender Man. And then he, I told him it was, it wasn't real, yada, yada, yada. It was created on the internet. And then he brought me to this video that someone had done. And within two seconds, I was like, dude, that is Hush, Buffy the Vampire. That's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. No, no, it's it's from the... I'm like, no, I guarantee it's from the episode. It's the best episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and I kind of show, I showed him, I said, this this is Buffy the... This is where they steal the princess's voice, dude. It's not... It's one of the... It's the least dialogue of one of any TV shows ever. And it's probably one of the best. Maybe that was because... Of the lack of dialogue, I don't know. Um, but anyways, this one is so funny to me. I, I just love the I, I love the look of this model. Uh, I wish it was. Um, the only thing I wish is that the tentacles weren't so flowy. I wish they were a little more rigid. Just because if you look at the photographs of the sun, you know what I'm saying. Like it's yeah. more. He's a little the 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 lines are curvy throughout the whole thing, and Slenderman's kind of looks like he's wearing a kind of a starchy suit and everything but overall it's a, it's still a fantastic sculpt yeah. um that miniature studio one yeah you know it's all right 
Yeah, I find it interesting that it's it's described as a Kingdom Death Slenderman. Um, I'm not sure whether it's actually Kingdom Death related, but yeah. uh, it does have that vibe. It it feels like it's Slenderman by way of it, with that ruffle neck. Like, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yes. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think the, the vines, viney tentacles in this, in this uh, miniature studio sculpt are actually a little bit better because they are a little bit more abrasive, a little mm-hmm. less flowing. Um, but I really don't like the sculpture of the figure nearly as much. It's, it's got weird, like, Disney meets horror show proportions and just yeah. not my thing. And when I saw that, I went, that's Slenderman at first. Like, you know, I see it, but it, 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 I, I wouldn't have picked that out as Slenderman per se. But that's, you know, it's a, it, it, there, 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 there are tons of models out there for the Slenderman. And it's been in what was it? Minecraft. It's been in TV shows. It's really become a phenomenon onto itself. You know what I mean? Um, and so I'm sure somebody just put out another sculpt of the slender man while we were talking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I also, I quite like the, you know, the, the idea of doing a slender man where uh, the face is not defined because obviously that's part of the aesthetic, mm-hmm. but um, formed in, in the likeness of HP Lovecraft a little bit. I think that would work really well. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, th- that kind of, I mean, it's the story itself is very reminiscent of Lovecraft's writing, but Lovecraft has this kind of quite long face with a, a sort of oval jawline mm-hmm. uh, that I think would work really well for a Slender Man. That would be, yeah, absolutely, and definitely there are reference there are definite references to H.P. Lovecraft stuff in a lot of the the creepy pasta type writings about the Slender Man out there for sure, absolutely. So I guess the next one then we go on to are skinwalkers. Um, it's interesting because I, I'll, I'll caveat this now. I had it actually a little bit later in the notes. So there's a couple of different things out there with the name skinwalkers. There is the urban legend slash based on Native American lore one that we're going to talk about. But then there's also this thing called Skinwalker Ranch. And that is completely different. It is a... Um, basically it's a hot spot of UFO sightings and uh, strange extraterrestrial type situations happening. So those are kind of two different things. So don't be confused. This is not the Skinwalker Ranch. This is based on um, the Navajo, uh, what is it? Navajo stories. And so in the Navajo language, which I'm going to butcher, uh, Yi Nalodushi translates by means of it or goes on all fours while perhaps the most common variety seen in horror fiction by non-Navajo people the Yi Nadishol is one of several skinwalkers in Navajo culture specifically uh they are a type of my god anti-Hanil I should not have put these in here um (laughs) so basically Navajo witches which also kind of include skinwalkers uh represent the antithesis of all Navajo cultural values um, there are community healers and cultural workers are known as medicine men and women. Those are kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. 
witches and the skinwalkers, basically which transform into other animals. They're walking human skin, etc. Um, they're evil, eat things. There's not a ton specific to go into much more. There are throughout a lot of different lore. Uh, there's a lot of TV shows and movies based on kind of that concept. One of the big ones you would argue is the werewolf. Um, and that kind of leads me into the miniatures, which is another place we're not going to spend a ton of time on because most companies that have created skinwalkers, they more look like werewolves than anything else. Um, there's one that's really cool from 3D PZ Studios, but again, it really looks like a werewolf. Um, it's not wearing clothes, so that may, may in their lives the difference. You know, a lot of times you see werewolves in torn clothes, whether it's ripped shirts, um, or they have really fantastic hair while they're walking in the streets of London, um, or wearing torn jeans, etc. But um, there's not a ton of variations of them, and they're usually all on this snarling pose. There's another one by Mammoth Factory, um, same type of pose, but the skin is a little zombie-esque. Um, kind of looks like it's kind of rotting, kind of ripping, which is kind of neat. It kind of gives it a different vibe. So it's kind of maybe the combination between a zombie and a werewolf type thing, but, um, it's not skinwalkers happen in most type of most cultures in Navajo culture and other, uh, native American cultures in the U S they're based off of basically witchcraft and people's ability to change shape and form into other types of creatures. Um, so theoretically it could be uh, a coyote, a wear fox. Um, those would also, those would actually be cool miniatures. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, the synopsis of skinwalkers. I, I actually have been quiet and I, I've been just consuming here because this is not a legend that I grew up with, unsurprisingly. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually haven't really had much exposure to it <clears throat> even since moving to the U.S. Um, in my head, I kind of agree with you. I had more of an image of like the old school ghouls, right? People that had turned to cannibalism kind of a thing right. and had, um, you know, degraded to such an extent that they were much more bestial than man but i didn't ever Im imagine them in my head as having these kind of actual beast-like features just beast-like behaviors and and you know kind of primitive uh maybe you know slightly misshapen perhaps in in the way that ghouls are often depicted um, so I find it really weird that literally as I look at these, I think, yeah, but these are just werewolves, like varying degrees of buff werewolf. Um, right. <laughs> right. That's the other thing. They're all buff. <laughs> They're all badass. They hit, they, they didn't skip leg day. They didn't skip chest day. They're awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those deltoids, man, seriously. Right. <laughs> That's a fair point, man. Fair point. You mean you don't have Navajo, Navajo culture in England? You know what? Not, not, not so much. No, not so much. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's actually interesting. It's interesting when a lot of, uh, like, for example, when Alfonso was here uh, a few years ago for the Nova Open, he's like, "Well, what museum should I go to?" And I'm like, "Well, I love the Native American Museum. That's and it's something that." Uh, would not would be germane to U.S. culture. You know what I mean? 
And so I, that's why I kind of sent him there uh, to, to go to that one. The food it, at that cafe is also incredible. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it is. Really it nice. is a good one for sure. For sure. So, man, why don't you take Bloody Mary? This comes from your neck of the woods, like growing up wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so uh, Bloody Mary is the legend of a ghost uh, that can be conjured um, to supposedly to reveal the future. Uh, she is said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. Uh, the Bloody Mary apparition may be benign or malevolent, uh, depending on on historic variations i guess mm-hmm. um bloody mary appearances are mostly witnessed in group participation play um there is supposedly this is uh inspired by queen mary the first of england uh who um was was not popular with the uh, protestant side of of england at the time uh, who eventually managed to burn her at the stake. Um, so I am not sure about this. Um, there, there's one of the things that is interesting for me is that I was aware of Bloody Mary as a kid. Um, I think, I mean, Mary, the first of England definitely had the moniker Bloody Mary, but Mm -hmm. it, it was never in my mind associated with this, this urban legend side of, of, or this urban legend, Bloody Mary entity, um, which I always think of very, very specifically as something that American kids tr- do traditionally during summer camp. And this is entirely educated by like my consumption of American media and, and American <laughs> TV shows and stuff. You're not, you're not wrong though. <laughs> it happens in every, like the kids go to camp episode of whatever TV show it is. And at some point during this like camp, they decide that summoning Bloody Mary is going to be a good idea whilst they're in cabins in the middle of the woods, because what could possibly go wrong if you do that? Um, <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 weird because you know m- most of the inspiration seemed to come from Europe for this character. Mm-hmm. This version of the legend doesn't, in my mind at least, we're aware of it, but it hasn't really persisted in the same way. Right, and that's an interesting way. I never thought about it that way too. That the and you know, like if you look in the show notes, there's also Elizabeth Barthony the the. Countess who supposedly bathed in in virgin's blood, female virgin's blood, and uh, a, a former underground railroad uh, a slave who had who escaped to the underground railroad, railroad Mary Worth. Um, but the whole chanting into the mirror three times—that is—I think you're absolutely right. I think that is a total. The, the only thing you you didn't include was random sleepovers as well, and it's uh, well as always girls in sleepovers chanting bloody mary into the mirror you know what i mean <laughs> i i i i'm not gonna lie i have more of a light as a feather stiff as a board image for that one but you're right, right. bloody mary <laughs> does also fit in that one <laughs> you know and it's funny too because the 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 one thing there are so many patterns in these, right? So you have bloody mary, there's also candy man is the same thing. I don't know if you've heard of candy man. 
Uh, I'm aware there are movies called Candyman. Mm. That's as far as I've got. Uh, but I'm, I'm also not thing. a horror movie watcher, so I haven't actually seen said movies. Well, please allow me to educate because I love me some horror. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's the Candyman. Then you have a comical version of the same kind of thing. That three number three repetition of Beetlejuice. Um, there, that is throughout. Uh, it's kind of the same pattern in a lot of different urban legends you could i would even argue that excuse me the ring falls into it as well okay. although it's not saying something it is it is seeing something yeah. and then you see something and you die in a certain amount of time so those kind of those are all the um take an action predict like a specific action visually results in your inevitable demise you know <laughs> kind of those same the like those those urban legends kind of change and, you know the, the jap the ring is based off of supposedly a true story from japan you know but i right. think actually after we're done recording tonight i might pop that on and keep working on some bases <laughs> <laughs> i actually like i like that movie a lot okay so, what um, kind of minis are out there about it yeah so the one that I'm looking at right now is uh, Schlossbauer uh, mm-hmm. sculpt, and I I have to say I really like this this sculpt. It it does a, a fantastic job of giving a uh, an impression of um, a woman from a time gone by without it being too specific to an era. Right? It's it's a a dress with a sort of apron frontage. Uh, it's could be kind of any time period. Um, the face has got kind of uh, loose hair hanging over it, which looks like it would be really, really interesting and, and tough to paint really effectively. Um, lots of cuts and scrapes on the dress as well. But then the, the, the really beautiful piece of this sculpt is that uh, she's holding what I take to be a shard of uh, mirror shard of glass for sure but i I assume it's a mirror that i just think is a um kind of perfect thing you can imagine her coming out of the mirror and smashing it and grabbing a piece and and coming after you as you run through camp in rural america right i love yeah and that i I had it listed as a big ass knife but you are so right that is definitely a, a that is part of the mirror this is yeah this miniature gets better every time i see it too like I noticed other things about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The slightly skeletal face as well. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a gorgeous sculpt. Yeah. I think that might be something to add to my print list. <laughs> <laughs> I like that miniature a lot, actually. Um, nice. Yeah. That's that. So it's by the uh, Schloss, Bauer. I don't, I don't know anything about them, but no, it's it's an interesting piece because it's it looks like it's meant for for a gaming, and I think you might be right. Uh, you you mentioned in the notes the the zombie side sculpt that they did of, of Bloody Mary, where it's she's in a Wild West outfit. Mm-hmm. The the sculpt that we were looking at from Schlossbar is looks like it's been designed to have a base for a board game, like you know, circular, quite chunky base. I wouldn't be surprised if this was sculpted intentionally to be an alternate version of the zombie side Bloody Mary because they didn't like the the one that was 
created, or they wanted it to be uh, for zombie side Black Death era, perhaps instead of the, the Wild West version. Right, that's a good point. Absolutely, yeah. But this is a winner. This is a, this is definitely. Uh, I might have to see if that's uh, on uh, my mini fake or what uh, my mini factory or whatever it is. Because I'm I'm digging digging that vibe, but you're absolutely right. It's got the pre-done gaming base for sure. For sure. All right. What is our next one? Why did I close the notes? Oh, the next one is me. Um, Oh, no, I'm sorry. There's one more minute. Did you want to talk about the Maya K one or no? Uh, We can. That's definitely uh, a uh, Mary first uh, Mary Queen of Scots inspired sculpt, right? Um, with the, the, it's not a rough, but a high collar. That's very, you know, I, I dread to say Elizabethan when we're talking about Mary Queen of Scots, but effectively Elizabethan kind of aesthetic. <laughs> um, it's, uh, Hush now. <laughs> it's a very severe looking woman, much more like put into a particular historical time frame, Um, but I, I quite like it. The zombie side sculpt, I, I just looked that up as well because I, I wasn't even aware of this one. That's, I mean, that's really not the Bloody Mary we talk about. I feel it's just uh, kind of a nickname for a character in the in the uh, the Wild West uh, zombie side. Right, right. Agreed, agreed. All right. So let's do the Bunny Man. Now, this is from uh, my area, from and the notes I got on it are from a Fairfax County uh, historian. And so it also hits home because it's also my birth year as well. There's a story that a man dressed as a bunny haunts the residential neighborhoods around our nation's capital. Silly as it may sound at first, but the Bunny Man has been a fixture of local legend for at least 30 years now. By 1973, the so-called Bunny Man had been reported in Maryland and the District of Columbia. His infrequent and widespread appearances tend to occur in secluded locations and usually tell of a figure clad in a white bunny suit, armed with an axe threatening children or vandalizing property. By the 1980s, the Bunny Man had become an even more sinister figure with several gruesome murders to his credit. Although he's been reported as far south as Culpeper, Virginia, which uh, it's a couple hours away from me, where I live. Um, his main haunt has always been the area around a railroad overpass near Fairfax Station, Virginia, which is terrifying because that's not that far from that's only 10, 15 minutes from where I live. Um, and he's, fre- he's frequented by party goers. Now the infamous bunny uh, and there's an area called the Bunny Man Bridge. Um, yeah, this is, this is one that's really kind of funny. And I, I grew up in Southern Virginia and had never heard it and heard this within the first two weeks of moving up here to go to college. Um, and it is a common, there is a common reporting scheme. It just happens to be mostly drunk party goers that see a guy in a bunny suit. Now I wouldn't put it past given where we're located, that there has been somebody, repeatedly seen in a bunny suit and it probably would be the same person just because there's some weird stuff that happens in near your nation's capital folks um weird weird stuff it it also reminds me of that the one um before it got popular and everybody was doing it the one the dude would wear the horse mask i don't know if you know (laughs) like remember seeing that at first i 
don't know this one though. Mm-hmm. Same kind of, you know, the whole, you know, the it, it's the nature of urban legends. So, you know, originally it was just this creepy dude in a bunny suit. And then, of course, he was carrying an axe. Then he was destroying property. And then he was a murderer. And so, uh, and then he ran for president. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it's just the nature of evolution of it. Um, the, the disappointing thing is that there aren't really any good minis of an axe-wielding guy in a bunny outfit um <laughs> I, so so yeah i i think searching for bunny man miniatures is is probably going to end in a bad place um, <laughs> there is no good that can come out of it having said that all of this description um reminds me so much of donnie darko and harvey from donnie darko mm-hmm. um that i was kind of wondering if there was a donnie darko a bunny sculpt and i'm struggling to find one which kind of surprised me because like frank not not harvey frank right harvey is the other giant six foot tall bunny rabbit movie which has a much friendlier tone to it than donnie darko or the bunny man um i like it's such an iconic figure mm-hmm I, I'm amazed that there are not like 3D printable sculpts of of this this character because that rabbit's this kind of skeletal rabbit's head um, mm-hmm. and the awkward dimensions and the ill-fitting suit. Uh, I, I I would love to get a really good quality 28 mil sculpt or 32 mil sculpt of, of that figure. It would be mm-hmm. really fun to paint, playing with the grayscales and introducing some brown hues into the um but yeah that's definitely a tangent from the bunny man who's meant to be in a white bunny suit right right and there are a few now if you are a christmas story fan um there are a few minis of ralphie in a bunny suit that you could probably it's not that you know you could paint white you know (laughs) and it probably gets some some creepiness out of that um there's a frank who's have you ever heard of frank the rabbit yeah, that's Donnie Darko. Oh, okay. I did find a miniature for him. Oh, did you? You got to send yeah. that to me. Yeah. Hold on. I, I, it's not. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. Now that 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 makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna send that to you right now, so you could take a look. It's a figure, not necessarily a mini. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I, I think I'd found that one. Um, chatted it to you um but yeah the frank the frank the rabbit that yeah that could work it's a yeah put an axe in his hand and you're off and running yeah because i think in in donnie darko there's a scene with frank actually holding a knife at one point as i remember like it was just very very reminiscent of this of this story Mm -hmm. to me um but probably a safer search term than bunny man Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, yeah. There. You're right. There aren't. There's. A, I found one on Sketchfab, a 3D model, but it looks like the same type of figure um, as the one from that I sent you. But yeah, it Bunny Man. It, probably not uh, the thing you want to be looking up because it's really kind of. Yeah, it's kind of weird. You get some weird images that come up. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So I think that that brings us to the end of our murderers. Um, and now yeah. we're going to skip into the whatchamacallit side of it, the cryptid side of it, which my bet is you're probably more familiar with cryptid stuff than you are per se the the necessarily the urban legend side. Yeah, um, I think I am. Uh, I actually find it a bit interesting that La Llorona is, it, you put under cryptids, I'd have put her under mm-hmm. um, the, the murderer's side of things. But um, there are a few, there are a few here that are kind of new to me. Um, there are a few that are, are familiar to me. Um, but I think the first one we have in the list is, is the Jersey Devil, uh, which is from South Jersey and Philadelphia area uh a legendary creature said to inhabit the forests of the pine barrens in south jersey the creature is often described as a flying biped with hooves but there are many variations the common description is that of a bipedal kangaroo-like or wyvern-like creature with a horse or goat-like head leathery bat-like wings horns small arms with clawed hands legs with cloven hooves and a forked or pointed tail. It has been reported to move quickly and is often described as emitting a high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. I feel like this has all of the hallmarks of, like, uh, puritanical mania from Mm -hmm. a certain period of time. Um, You know, you've got goat-like analogies, you've got cloven hooves, you've got a forked and pointed tail. Uh, it, It seems to be hitting all of those, like, prime puritan like devil personified um you're nailing that you're nailing that without me putting the rest of the information in there because it's originally was named it was called the leeds the leeds devil or the devil of leeds um which is from prior to the prior to the 1900s that's kind of what it was called to and it was based off mother leads 13th child so yeah you're you're all over the vibe <laughs> like you're you are nailing uh what what yes absolutely you know it's all about uh christian occultism and mysticism and yeah there are a lot of good there are a lot of good jersey devil minis out there though yeah, I, I I was uh looking up at some of these and they're definitely all of a type. The the ones that I've seen at least. It feels once again we're leaning into werewolf territory a little bit. Yes mm-hmm. with wings, yes with a tail. Um but kind of I, I'd almost want to go with maybe something that's more like a, a buffer mat. Is it buffer mat that's got the Mm-hmm. the goat's head although those are i think usually feathered wings um but right yeah, instead of reptilian yeah yeah um mm-hmm. i feel like that's kind of a more i don't know more more what i have in my head at least right um, yeah and i'm i'm a i think to me this is one where printed obsession kind of wins it again with the you know they had the amazing slender man they also have a really good uh jersey devil um and i don't think the horse head works i think it's got to be goat all the way you know like <laughs> if you're gonna go go with the goat <laughs> i mean it, it's called devil for a reason right like who's ever heard of a devilish horse 
Right, exactly. You know, God, it's just how many nay and hey, you know, hey, hey jokes just came to my head. I got to <laughs> stop being a dad for like five minutes. But yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. The, the and um, I don't feel like the tropes, the uh, like looking at through the miniatures that are out there. I, I feel like a lot of the they just kind of miss a lot on some of the tropes of the Jersey Devil. You know what I mean? Like they're way like one of them is a horse, and it's like way too hairy. I don't feel like the, the uh, like a, a hairy all over, and you're like, come on, it's not the Jersey Devil, you know. Maybe he's wearing hairy pants with cloven foots, but you know, come on. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's another one of those ones where uh, it's that one's been around for so long in the United States and there's been so much about it. Even I think, whatchamacallit, didn't Supernatural do an episode on the Jersey Devil? I'm sure they have. Yeah, they must yeah. have. Done. I mean, in what, 15 years of TV, right? So many episodes. So many yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured out how to how to skip them. Like, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I really overall wasn't impressed with the minis from from most of the Mothman. Oh, not Mothman. From most of the, the Jersey, Jersey Devil, Devil stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I actually one thing I really like about the printed obsession is that it doesn't have arms. Right. Almost all of the, I mean, the skull, the skeletal head is also very cool. That fits mm -hmm. with my mental image. Um, but the fact that there's no upper arms makes it seem unbalanced and ungainly in a way that's really slightly disconcerting, and I like it. I'm here for it. You know, and that's, it's interesting too, because in a lot of the lore that you listen to about it, and especially in modern telling of the lore, it's a very clumsy beast. It is not something that is swift and elegant. It is definitely something that is clumsy. It fits in the, the trope of uh, Mother Leeds' 13th child. I think it's like the 13th child born on the 13th day of, you know, the 13th month no wait <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness but anyways yeah it gives it that yeah it is definitely a proportionality and gangliness make that middle and miniature unsettling for sure which is i guess a win you know but uh, the next one is one nobody here has heard about ever nobody this is a brand new to everyone the bigfoot um, I kind of lumped in Yeti with this too, because although, you know, true enthusiasts will probably have my head on this, it's kind of the similar, similar background, similar. I mean, they, they, they're the, the legends are basically the same, you know, one's in kind of the Pacific Northwest and one is in, you know, frozen areas. And so, but the, it's the same concept of a creature. Um, it's a, a large and mysterious humanoid creature purported to inhabit uh, the wild and forested areas of Oregon and the west coast of North America. It's also known as the Sasquatch, and you know people mess with it for beef jerky, um, but you know that's okay. And it <laughs> um, it does the lore of it though does date all the way all the way back to First Nations, and especially in areas of British Columbia, um, there is a lot of 
well, a lot. It was relative. There is hand, uh, hand-me-down lore about it. it basically, um, you know, if you, uh, Bigfoot is a giant, hairy creature that looks like um, most of the time it's kind of depicted. It almost looks like kind of an upright uh, gorilla. I mean, that's just taller or um, insert Chewbacca here, right? You know, <laughs> you could argue that the Wookiees to a degree uh, have that same kind of Bigfoot vibe to them. Uh, humanoid, missing link type uh, thing. And this might surprise you, Dev, but there are a bazillion Bigfoot miniatures out there. (laughs) (laughs) Color me surprised. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like, you know, the, the... the legend of Bigfoot is is so big in public consciousness that you kind of have them even as like you know standard creatures in wargaming a lot of the time right like there 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 are versions for D&D it's just like not everywhere but i mean there there's a lot of presence of of this kind of character mm-hmm. um and like i think there there's something very similar in conquest miniatures if i remember right that I right, and even Reaper has a D&D version of Yetis as a race, basically. And it's, yeah. you know, they look like their they're Yetis look like Bigfoots, you know. And so, I mean, there's so many, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, um, yeah. I, do, I, do, I do like the ones that have that classic iconic photograph pose with, you know, kind of the walking sideways. Yeah, I, I looked up the source of that. It's from it is from a film. It's from the uh, Patterson Gimlin film from okay. nineteen sixty seven. Uh, it's um, yeah that that traditional lope. Although interestingly, in my head somehow I mirrored that image, and and in the film it seems like it, uh, the Sasquatch is is walking from screen left to screen right, and in my head I had a very clear image of it doing the exact opposite. So for what that's worth. Well, but I, I will say I've seen it both ways because it just depends. Sometimes people reverse the image. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, yeah, it, it, I have definitely seen it. Like I, when, when, when I think of it, it's, I guess, uh, stage left to stage right is what I've always thought of it. But I have seen it the other way and been like, huh, that, you know, so I can I totally get why you would think it that way. Um, but yeah, Bigfoot's uh, omnipresent as far as miniatures go. I think WizKids makes them, Reaper makes them. Um, there are a few online, co- you know, you can get, there are a few STLs out there um, for them. Don't get the, you know, get the ones that are the ones where, you know, it's the loping left and right, you know. <laughs> I like loping. That's a good word that you, that, that you use for that. Um, but Otherwise, yeah, there's, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to bring it up too, I think there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with it, um, with miniatures, whether you're using a Yeti or whether you're using a Bigfoot, you have a forested scene, you have a, a nice wintry scene that's possible, and you can kind of go anywhere with the fur. Um, I, you know, there is one, uh, whatchamacallit too, there is an analysis of that that picture um, that leads people to believe that it might be a female yes yeah and i that's new to me um i was like wait does that yeti have boobs or sasquatch (laughs) (laughs) boobs 
who am I in New Orleans Bigfoot sighting? Um, so yeah, it's there. Oh, oh. <laughs> so never, I, I uh, when when Deb chats a photo. Yeah, oh. I, I I actually I was going to call out just this one particular sculpt because oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's I mean it's it's entitled Yeti. So if we're talking Bigfoot, I guess we we kind of drifted a little bit, but um, it's a fun sculpt in that it's instantly identifiable as to what it is but at the same time looks slightly different to anything you've seen before. It leans into the kind of longer hair on the shoulders and on the face um, mm -hmm. and around the wrists, but it has shorter hair everywhere else. It gives it a really strong, iconic image. I, it's interesting because um, the, the image that Mike and I are both looking at um, is from a Kickstarter that was done a while ago uh, by Atlantis Miniatures. And so it's uh, it's just a computer render. It's not even a printed model. And I'm really struggling to think like how I would want to apply paint to it. Like it's got me thinking about it, but I can't visualize a result that I would get out of painting this model. Um, mm -hmm. So it intrigues me, probably not enough to actually, you know, try and get hold right. of one. <laughs> yep. But no, I like it too. It's, it's, it, there's a, even though it's posed, there's still it's kind of dynamic. The the, the, the sculptors did a really good job with this. Because, yeah. like for example, like you know, it's got it, the it's kind of a crouching pose, half leaning one leg up, and one uh, the one arm like on a rock, and the hair flows around the hand instead of just straight down, and so it definitely gives you directional gravity. Um, and so there's, there's some nice aspects of it, uh, for, for sure. But I'm of the same mindset. Like I like it. Um, I can't see myself painting it. Yeah. But I am curious. It's, it's definitely, I think the most interesting sculpt that I've seen for mm -hmm. a, a Yeti or a Sasquatch. And as you say, there are a ton out there. There are ones yeah. with armor and with weapons and there are ones that are just in, in the classic, you know, uh, movie Patterson Gilman pose. Um, this one actually feels a little bit unique while still fitting the, the, mm -hmm. the mold very well. Nice. Nice. So I think I'm going to get rid of sewer alligators. Is that, did you, did, did you put some crocs or did I do that? I did that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Do you have something on some crocs? I mean, so, you know, obviously sewer alligators is the, the classic New York centric, uh, you know, there are alligators living in the sewer trope right. and like Bigfoot, it's, it's a big one. So big that like, it is actually a, an entire class of creatures in Games Workshop's Necromunda. Um, and, and that was really what made me think of it because I know mm -hmm. that that particular sculpt, which is the sump croc is a very popular, um, sculpt it's from forge world it costs a fortune because it's forge world um but it does definitely have like a kind of personality to it definitely not what i would associate with the real um sump crocs of you know the, the real legendary sewer alligators it's it's very much a stylized version of that um oh yeah but... i hadn't seen that before oh okay so it is new to you yeah that so is it's, new to me um it's a fun sculpt. It's it's kind of adorable. Um, he's got you know his chubby little legs and <laughs> and 
you know, it's just generally oozes cuteness and has all of the four job casting quality looking at the unpainted photo that they put on their own website. Oh, get sock shot. Um, oh, even yeah. the head. Look at the head. Oh, God. Gaps to fill for days. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's an adorable figure. Well, the um, bonus is you'll use enough green stuff that you won't have to paint it green. <laughs> Oh God, even the legs on the backside. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Just hope the resin bubbles are on the bottom. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, the the original sculpt is adorable. Uh, the execution on casting, as is sadly often true with Forge World, mm -hmm. leaves a little to be desired. But, um Yeah. That that was what made me include zero alligators. I don't think they're really cryptids per se, as they're just supposedly regular alligators that are living and thriving in the sewers of New York City to this very day, supposedly. Right. Yeah. It probably. You're right. It probably doesn't belong under cryptids. Um, and honestly, the miniature wise too. I mean, any alligator in a sewer works. Um, where you can have fun with it too. Is there such alligators aren't all green. And, um, as I learned in the, uh, New Orleans, my goodness, as I learned in the New Orleans, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, aquarium, there are white alligators too. <laughs> and there was a, an enormous white one. Um, and it's not, wasn't even listed as an albino alligator. Uh, it was really neat. To, it was really neat to look at. And it was a warm, it's funny, cold-blooded creature, but like the tones of the skin and, and such were warm tones. Like it was almost a bone color. I was like, oh, that'd be a great pair of boots. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear boots, so it'd have to be just a wallet. Um, but uh, the, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I only use uh, vegan leather. Um, anyways, uh, sorry, that's a running joke in our house, vegan leather. Um, but yeah, so you could have a lot of fun with a sewer scene with a miniature alligator. Uh, there's tons out there. And if you type in alligator STL file, you will find some wonderful things out there. Uh, so we won't keep up on that one. So this is, I'm interested in the next one because I've never heard of the next one at all. Yeah, so the next one is the Fresno Nightcrawlers. And and I'll be honest, this one's fairly new to me as well. I saw you had a local urban legend, and I tried to find a, a Sonoma County legend to include, and I couldn't really find one. So Fresno was the closest I could get. Um, and so this is, a like the Slenderman, this is actually a pretty recent phenomenon. Uh, first spotted in 2007 in, unsurprisingly, Fresno. Uh, this cryptid is uh, basically mostly invisible, seemingly. Um, it's a kind of like pair of legs that seem to be walking um, as if it's, I don't know, like a, just a pair of pants striding through <laughs> thing. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's not... It's it's probably not going to have great miniature sculpts, right? Like you basically um, don't have much to look at. But no. uh, it's, I think it's it it's 
it's just a fascinating like the, the the images that have been caught and and things really give it like a kind of air of mystery to it um mm -hmm. could make for an interesting diorama i guess sure uh, a challenging one for sure given that there's not a whole lot to see um when uh, I looked at, I just looked it up. The first thing that came to my mind was sperm. Like the first <laughs> images, I'm like, "What is Dev talking? What are those Californians thinking about?" You know, like. Anyway, sorry, I I interrupt, but uh, yeah, um, I could see why they could be creepy. There's a couple of really creepy photos. Yeah, and I think, and, and there's also some video footage of it, which is also kind of creepy. Um, I mean, the photos, it kind of just looks like, uh, like, I don't know, like a road sign, like two legs of a road sign stuck in the ground or something like, you know, the, the roadworks, uh, a frame kind of sandwich boardy kind of things. Like if you just took like two of the legs off of that, that are still hinged and stuck them in the ground. But then mm -hmm. when you see the video footage of it actually kind of like walking along, it's kind of, it is kind of freaky. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to look up the video after this, yeah, for sure. I will say the one thing you do find if you type in Nightcrawl, you know, I typed in Fresno Nightcrawler or STLs. There are some really nice X-Men Nightcrawler sculpts out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's that is. I feel like that's a character that doesn't get enough love in the Marvel universe, honestly. Yeah, I agreed. Um, both both Nightcrawler and and um, Kitty Pride Shadowcat. Um, or Colossus. Come on, man. He's <laughs> what did they do to that poor guy in uh, Deadpool, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, kind of ruined him. Yeah. It just yeah. It broke my heart. That's my favorite X-Man. And I just sent you an image too. It's funny. That's a crazy Nightcrawler sculpt. Um, but yeah, it, 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 that's just so wow. it's so interesting that uh, these little yeah. Uh, honestly, the other thing I think of, um, the other thing that this prompted me to think of was the Night Vale. Did you ever listen to Welcome to Night Vale? Oh boy, do I! I love okay. Welcome to Night Vale. Do you remember that the they get attacked by get chased by dogs, but at turn they claim it's just floating paper bags, plastic bags. Oh yeah, and that's kind of the first thing I thought of, like when I after I thought, oh, this looks like sperm, and then some of the pictures, I'm like, oh my goodness, are these people being chased by plastic bags, you know. <laughs> um, so another podcast reference, man. You can see uh, I've got where my life revolves, right? I mean, it's. It's a, it's a classic. It's it was one of the like really early, really successful podcasts out there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, I I don't know if it's still going on or not, uh, but it, it, it I I would have to definitely see it. I like see if it's still going on. But yeah, it's oh, got some it does. Questions. Yeah, it's still going on. There's even a spin-off podcast where each episode of the podcast they talk about an episode of the original podcast. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, there are levels of inception of this podcast at this point. <laughs> and knowing them, they're probably acknowledging that as well. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, they don't. They don't shy away from it at all. Oof. Okay. All right. Should we do one more before we wrap up? 
Yeah, man. Um, which one do you want to do? Do you want to do? We have a I, lot on this list, so I was I was gonna suggest uh, El Chupacabra. Okay. Uh, because partly because you know it's it's another one that's feels a little closer to to California here. Um, it's it's fairly common in in um, American like in modern American cinematography and, and legend. Um, for, but for those that don't know, uh, Chupacabra or literally goat sucker um, is a creature in folklore in parts of America um, of a creature that is supposedly vampiristic, drinking the blood of livestock, including goats. Um, physical descriptions vary a lot. And I think that's one of the most interesting things for me about this one. Um, it's generally described as a heavy creature, reptilian and alien-like, roughly the size of a small bear with a row of spines reaching from the neck to the base of the tail, um, whereas some areas have it as, as more dog-like. Um, early, It seems like it's also actually much more recent than I thought, first kind of documented in 1995. Uh, I had I had a feeling it was a, an older um, legend than that, but um, what I like about this one is there's enough information there to give you a mental image of what it it looks like and and how it is. You know, it's obviously big enough to kind of pin down livestock, you know, goats and sheep at least, um, but there's plenty of wiggle room there, right? There's a lot of space for sculptors to have some fun uh with the creation of it right they can go more insectoid they can go more dog-like they can maybe go bat-like given the the vampirism aspect of it um and there are there are sculpts out there you know obviously there's one that makes it look more like a werewolf because why wouldn't there be every cryptid apparently looks like a werewolf <laughs> um, but uh like um there's one from dark realms that has kind of a, a, a bat looking head to it. Um, and those spines on the back are kind of like not as sharp or as intensely spiky as you might expect. Um, there's one, which I think is from dragon trappers lodge, which has a very insectile yes. look. I like that one a lot, actually. Um, there is one. Oh, I'm not sure who did this one. Uh, uh, Zbrushing MX. I hope that is actually the sculptor. It's really hard to tell, um, but that one almost has like a kind of humanoid look to it, and mm -hmm. really, really weird spines. I don't know if you've seen this one. Let me let me, uh, let me send you the link. Yeah, I like that uh, that one from Dragon Trapper's Lodge. That was yeah. Cool. That that was the the one that really caught my eye and and had me uh, actually uh, kind of want to to stop on on chupacabras particularly, um, but this one is also quite cool and and it's a bit oh. of a cheat because the uh, the artist has actually coloured the 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 computer sculpt that they've done so you've got a little bit more information to go off of which definitely helps it um, if you look at just the yeah the unpainted images it it, it almost look. looks amphibian yeah 
but yeah. it's cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so yeah, I think this is like that pinnacle of kind of cryptid, uh, in that, you know, you've got an image in your head, um, but everybody's mental image is slightly different. So there's so much scope. Uh, mm. although I would beg those that are just creating werewolves to be a little bit more creative in their cryptid mm. creations. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, I want to, I, I, we, I want to do one more if you don't mind. Let's do it. Why not? The, the Wendigo. Okay. Yes. I I love the Wendigo and the Wendigo has, there, there are, there are variations of it. It's happened in pop culture in a lot of different area in different things. And they've called Wendigo, like there's other origin stories for it, but the main one we'll focus on is the traditional native American one from Algonquin speaking uh, people, um, Descriptions vary, but common to all those is a Wendigo was a malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural being. They were strongly associated with the winter, cold, north, famine, and starvation. Um, There's a description um, from a guy named Basil Johnson that says the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its desiccated skin pulled slightly tightly over its bones. With its bones pushing out against its skin, the complexion is ash gray death. Eyes pushed back in their sockets. Um, it looks like a gaunt skeleton that was recently disinterred from a, from a grave. Um, it, unclean, suffering, saggy flesh, strange smell really bad. Smell like death and decomposition and corruption. Um, it is a really interesting creature. There are revenge stories behind it whether or not like people uh people who are trying to get revenge for being murdered have come back as wendigos or or, uh that's i believe that was actually a supernatural episode um something along those lines but there's other other history behind it of how wendigos are formed um it's also seen as the embodiment of gluttony and greed and excess, never satisfied after killing and consuming one person. They're constantly looking for new, new things. Now, one of the traditional ways that in artwork, when Dagos are uh, portrayed, they kind of have antlers. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I've seen it both ways in traditional style art in Native American art, where that is like kind of the... Um, elky moosey type of head antlers uh, pointy antlers um also yeah, kind of deer skull moose skull yeah the deer skull moose skull um i've seen skeletal like the skeletal versions of that too there's also you know there's been the kind of like the not dead ones but they're also full-on skeletal ones the one of the reasons i wanted to do the wendigo is because there are so many good miniatures out there um I mean, goodness gracious, the, there's one from this artist, uh, Yasiko Jin Studio, Yasiko Jin Studios, that's just perfect to me. Well, uh, it does have an extra, you know, it does have more than one arm uh, on each side, but it's interesting. There's also another one from Mythic America that actually is really cool looking. Um, I Yes. So funnily enough, I think I've actually painted that one. Um uh i did that on commission a while back uh that it was um 
yeah, a beautiful sculpt. I really, really liked it. And and actually, like I think for you, um, oh, they also have Sasquatch. That that was where the Sasquatch that I had in my head were from was Warlord Games Mythic America. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. For for somebody that's into cryptids uh, and and North American um, mythology, uh, Mythic Americas is is well worth taking a look at. It's it's a war game, um, but it uses a lot of uh, North American mythology to to use for the creatures and a bunch of different Native American tribes or you know fantasize nice. fantasy versions of. Um, but yeah, that Wendigo is is a fun sculpt and is very definitely the kind of antlered skull head look, but still got that very emaciated look. And the fur ruff, which I feel like is kind of very common in Wendigo uh-huh. um, imagery, and I'm not sure where that comes from. I don't think I've ever seen any evidence of that in a description. I think, uh, I mean, it, it makes sense, though. It kind of goes along with the overall vibe of it. Um, even like there's one from Lord of the print as well. That's a, that they all have that kind of roughish fur. Um, the ones I don't like are the buff Wendigos. Wendigo, I, I know I'm saying it wrong. I'm sure. But uh, you know, that they, they, the, they've got to be emaciated. You know, that's the whole point that they're, they're never satisfied and always want to keep, you know, chewing some people up but yeah there 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 is so much to choose from in, in any version of the lore that you like um sometimes they're called deer monsters too i've seen a few different companies that call them the deer monster the same thing but uh yeah i would i would definitely the, the the that that also looks like it could be a lot i i like the one from mythic america a lot um that's great especially because it's I don't know. I feel like uh, if somebody ever were to do like a blood bowl, a Native American blood bowl team, you'd have to have a Wendigo on your team, right? You know, <laughs> you'd have to have figure that out somehow to do it. But uh, um, <clears throat> there are just some absolutely incredible sculpts out there. Even I didn't know Reaper made one. <laughs> oh, neither did I actually. Yeah, they have a metal. Yeah, and it's 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 got the skeletal vibe to it. So whoever I can't, uh, Jason Weeby sculpted it. So oh, yeah, good okay. on Jason. Yeah, uh, d- d- good on. And then I, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I do, I do quite like that because it looks uh, not human, but it, it the because that ske- the the skull is not quite as long and pronounced. It or at least it doesn't seem to be from the images I'm seeing. Uh, it, right. It kind of doesn't feel quite as much as quite as much of a reanimated dead reindeer uh, which that exactly that's that's the other thing that that's a good point that you know there is a risk some of these do look like zombie rudolph um you know you could have a shiny a very bloody nose <laughs> yeah um but yeah no and plus the other side of it too is just looking at the artwork on on the wendigo is just a lot of fun too there's so much cool art out there and there's even art like cave art, I believe, of the Wendigo. And so, but uh, also another one, Vulcan Works. This would be one of those multi-purpose miniatures. Uh, you could use it for something else. Um, I really like it. I mean, I but I wouldn't it like it doesn't jump out. It almost 
if you put wings on it, I would think Jersey Devil to a degree because we're getting into a common theme here, but it's also a pretty cool miniature. So yeah, it's by Vulcan Works. Okay. So for years and years and years, oh, this Vulcan Works sculpt is great. It's, yeah, although a little too goat-like for me. But... Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I totally yeah. see it. It, it. It's more that it's just a cool sculpt. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, this would, this almost fits in with like a kind of resin beast entry, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's got that kind of creature caster aesthetic to it. It, yeah, actually that, that's a good way to put it. It does feel like a creature caster mini. <laughs> so for years and years and years, whenever I hear the name Wendigo in my head, I have something that looks very, very much like a Yeti. And what I've realized is that I have, spent most of my life conflating Wampas from Star Wars with Wendigo, because apparently when they start with the same letter, that's what Dev's Head does. <laughs> um, so so there we go. A piece of information that nobody needed. It's um, okay. That I get it. That happens to me too, man. Absolutely. Yeah, it's weird. You know, it's weird. We actually were talking um about weird associations and things uh, a friend of mine and like if you would have asked me until my mother corrected me in my 30s i would have told you my aunt anna and my aunt anna lived together because <laughs> every time we went and visited my aunt anna my aunt margie was there but the truth is the only time we went and visited my aunt anna is when my aunt margie came down from new york to, to visit her And, yep. and it wasn't, it was a shared misconception because my brother thought that my older brother thought the same thing. We were both like, no, they both lived in Norfolk. And like, no, she lived <laughs> in New York. <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. I get, yeah. I get Wampa, Wendigo. Why you, you, why we'd put the two together for sure. Well, Dev, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on again. Um, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy life because I know you've got you've got Gen Con coming up here soon. Yeah, it's it's rapidly approaching. I'm taking a, a day to teach a few classes, and then I'm going to be trying to jump on the Lorcana bandwagon with seemingly everybody else going to Gen Con. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, the what, the, can you say that again? Lorcana. Uh, it's uh, it's a new card game coming out uh, by mm -hmm. Ravensburger, and it's uh, it's Disney IP. So it's it's all Disney art. Well, Disney characters in in the cards. So oh, cool. Uh, it's it's getting a lot of hype at the moment. Um, I'm looking forward to trying it out. It's been a long time since I've really gotten into a CCG. So we'll see if it it captures me. Um, nice. But yeah, uh, I'm I'm just looking forward to it. I've I've only done Gen Con once before, and I had a fantastic time. Uh, there's a bunch of us going and kind of staying at an Airbnb nearby, so it should be a fun weekend. Nice. That's the plan next year for uh, for Adepticon. We're gonna drive and uh, stay in a Airbnb, something nice. along those lines. Yeah, and so it's gonna be yeah much. I like the idea of having the hotel being there in the conference, but it's also nice to get away. Yeah. You know what I mean? But all right. Well, I guess that does it for this episode. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't be here. Thank you for spreading the word about the show. Every listen and download helps. Um, and if you haven't already, you can like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you could give us a good review, we'd really, really appreciate it. 
Dev, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Raggy Paints. Uh, I have Facebook presences, Raggy Paints. Um, uh, I also have a Substack newsletter that I sometimes remember to send out if you're interested <laughs> in Warhammer 40,000. That's uh, 41st Millennium News. Um, nice. Yeah, those are the main ways to reach me. Perfect. And you know what? You can follow us by clicking the links in the show notes on our link tree. Uh, we're, we're on all the different social media platforms. But um, I'll tell you one thing, Def. It's not an urban legend. If you work hard enough, you can become a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Speak to you soon, man. Thank you so much for listening. A special shout out to our Patreons. Thank you very much for your support. And if all you others are inclined to do so, we'd love to have you as a Patreon also. Check out our link tree in the show notes for all our quick links. Email us at listeningtopaintdry at gmail.com. Tell us what you're working on or what cons you've been to or how you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. Also, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. We're also on X at Dry Listening. Like, subscribe, or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you could also leave us a good review, we'd appreciate that. We'll be back soon with another riveting episode of Listening to Paint Dry. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.